Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. New permanent co-host, Nick Repeat Adam. Wait, are you a usurper? Uh, Is that what's going I on I was going to talk to you about it earlier, but then I thought it would be better content <laughs> live on air. <laughs> Bubbles taking off. Right. It's going places. Yeah, Jordan's got a new job. Can't be tied. He's writing shows, yeah. developing shows. Can't be tied down. No. You need a reliable, dependable host. Plus, he's got that peripatetic lifestyle, speaking yeah. of not being able to. He's the king of the road. He's always gone. He's always doing stuff. He's always making it happen. No, no, not permanent. Okay. Just just here. Just here. Instead. Having a beer at 10 a.m. It's my brand. <laughs> Look, Kanye doesn't want to be weird and disconnected from reality. He has to. Artistically, that's his brand. He has to stick to it. Right. I, whenever I host this show, I drink, and it's 10 a.m. I don't have a job right now. My children are in school. They're in the bosom of LAUSD. Let's get into it. Let's do it. You're a dangerous alcoholic. <laughs> no, I'm going to go home and take a nap. You're great. You're on the way down to rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. This will be this will be the first act in the repeat biopic. Like, uh, oh, this is the fun times. I have a question. What kind of beer does one? Because we sometimes we have beer in the refrigerator here at Max Fun HQ, mm-hmm. especially if we've had an event or I, something like that. I know that very well. Now this time, I don't believe that we have any beer in the refrigerator. So you brought this beer with I you. I imported some uh, Dog's Head. IPA like a not a, it's like a German style white beer. You don't drink. Why do you? Why are you asking this? You don't drink. I'm just <laughs> wa- waiting for you to say that it's the Namaste beer because I uh, saw Namaste. Yeah, it's got Namaste on it. I don't. That's not why I bought it. I don't stand by that. Like they're they're brewmasters, not joke writers. Okay, back on, he's a guy in like Rhode Island or somewhere. I believe that place is making beer. I think they just got bought out. But just back off. There really is. Let me day drink in peace, Thorn. I feel like in the microbrewery industry, there is a surfeit of irreverence. Like there ah, are too well, many people being goofy too half-assedly. You don't turn your back on your grandfather's inheritance and <laughs> move to Maine and start making beer if you don't have a sort of fuck you attitude. You know, come on, Maine. <laughs> we're talking about Colorado here. Yeah, it's Colorado. We're talking about Boulder, Colorado. Much, I didn't want to be too on the nose, but it's all Colorado. Uh, we have a guest on this week's Jordan Jesse Go. Uh, she is a beloved friend of Jordan Jesse Go. She is herself a Max Fun host, the host of the Magic Lessons podcast, which is currently on indefinite hiatus. <laughs> uh, she is a best-selling writer. And her new novel is called City of Girls. I just received it in the mail not 24 hours ago, and I'm very excited to read it. Miss Elizabeth Liz Gilbert. Hey, guys. Hi, Liz. How are you doing, Hi, bud? sweetheart. I'm so good. I'm just sitting here nursing a, a mug of warm gin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Got to heat it up. Do you guys, when I was on my way into the studio, um, our colleague Christian Duenas asked me my position on champurrado. Do you guys have a position on champurrado? Uh, you know, like most of the population, uh-huh. it's in flux, uh-huh. depending right. on the sure. events of the day. Right. I mean, if we're still if in a post-9-11 Chumperado world. Catch me on, you know, depending on how I feel day to day, I could, you know, be 
Croacon. <laughs> is what I'm going to go. Jay, have you ever had Champorado, Liz? I thought it was a wrestler. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it is uh, the best. It, <laughs> it is something that I am pretty ambivalent about, right. and it was, apparently it's very close to Christian's heart. So I didn't want to crush his fragile spirit. Uh, You're but, not someone who's known for ambivalence. I know. <laughs> That's not sure. your. Like, I'm known for my <laughs> clear, strong takes. Yeah. Um, but did you know that uh, when I when when we were in college, uh, Jordan and Gene, our other co-host on The Sound of Young America, had a character that they would do that they had co-created called the City Critic, and they would just list one of them would say the name of a city to the other one, and then the other one would go F minus, <laughs> <laughs> and then like when we were like twenty six. They said, you know that was just our impression of you, right? <laughs> like, no, I did not know that. Your impression of them doing you was excellent, <laughs> by the way. That was spot on. Very convincing. <laughs> yeah. Champurado is like one of the things that you can buy on a street corner here in Los Angeles from a lady with a cooler. Oh, it's a drug. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a drug. <laughs> it's a cancer drug. One of those new drugs. <laughs> yeah, it has to be kept in a cooler. Um, Theranos. It's an oil. <laughs> Oregon. Theranos. <laughs> Child rock. Child rock. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, so there's like a, there's this family of things that you can buy from a lady with a cooler. Uh, and then there's this other family you can buy from a lady with a griddle. Uh, so like your your main categories would be like the griddle. There's pupusas. There's ladies who are selling pupusas. The bacon wrap dog. Uh, is bacon wrap LA. hot dog is a very classic Los Angeles thing to buy from a lady with a griddle. Uh, the cooler is often a lady who is selling elote, which is like a roasted corn that has um, mayonnaise and cheese and chili on it and is great. Yep. And lime as well often. Yep. And it's really tasty. And it's, you eat it off a stick. California and Mexico, for you guys that don't live out here, lime just falls out of the sky. So we just put it on everything. <laughs> I never had a lime until I moved to, to Los Angeles. Never had one I, lime. And now never have just, not had yeah, one. Yeah, where is the lime? What the, what the fuck? Why is there not lime on my scrambled egg? Nick, I feel like the first 10 years that I lived in Los Angeles, and you maybe had lived in Los Angeles for two years before I moved here, <laughs> Like, anytime I would say something I didn't like about Los Angeles, you would be like, but the citrus, it's free. It literally grows on trees. And now, now where, where are you, Jesse? Where are you? What I, are you all about? I, tell, the, tell the people. I got, a, I got two lemon trees and a satsuma <laughs> tree, and my neighbor has a grapefruit tree. Yep. Yeah, Loving life. I can't complain about any of it. I can't <laughs> complain about any of it, Nick. But anyway, uh, ch- uh, Champurado is a drink. But it is it is like a breakfast drink made of corn. Um, Whoa! So it's like pureed grits. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's it. Pack it up, Chumperado. You had a good run. She just finished your shit. It pretty. She just pulled the like curtain on the Chumperado industry <laughs> in one fell swoop. Pureed grits as a southerner and a grit lover. That is a fucking savage. Savage burn. <laughs> it is. That is pretty much what it is. I mean, if you imagine like half horchata, mm, uh, yeah, well. uh, or or something like that. Like it's a little. Um, it's sweet. It's a sweet drink, but it is <laughs> like the part that I was talking with Christian about was I have a the the part that makes me ambivalent is it is too m- soupy to mm-hmm. be a drink. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it is thick, like a like a thin smoothie. Mm-hmm. Here's here's what I love about all sort of like working class ethnic 
quote unquote food is that you get <laughs> quote to a, unquote food because I mean <laughs> quote unquote <laughs> ethnic quote unquote ethnic I'm not sure this quotes no quotes right around place. the food <laughs> no I mean the real ethnic food and then the stuff that is like a bastardization or like which you right. know like like nachos is ethnic food but it's like he made it up for a white person you know what I mean that's yeah. what I mean like all that stuff. It, it has like these like the guy in San Diego or something. Yeah, I think he was nachos. in Texas, and yeah. there was like the hotel kitchen was closed. Whatever, but like it all has this root of like we have to feed the masses. We have to make this pork or this cow or whatever go as long as we can. Let's make something that maybe isn't food. Let's see if we can make it food. <laughs> we don't have to do that anymore, guys. Got plenty of drinks. Let's, <laughs> got plenty of real beverages. Let's take these. Let's take these grits and put them in some yeah. cheesecloth and squeeze them. Yeah, and call it a beverage. Yeah. Well, you gotta. <laughs> you gotta. Heat I appreciate it. the ingenuity of the 1800s or whatever the fuck. You gotta heat it and sweeten it a little bit. Right. It's or, like it has the texture of. Got all these lines. Make a lime. <laughs> Wait, is it served warm? Yeah, it's served hot. Oh, oh, this is even worse. It's warm. Hot grit juice. So it's tepid. But it's pretty <laughs> good, hot. though. It's tepid, medium-thick grit juice? <laughs> no, it's it's hot. It's hot. With sugar so or without sugar? This hot. Is, do you With sprinkle sugar, sugar, it's sweet. No, you don't add, you don't, you that don't. That was a grit joke. And you're oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. With shrimp Wait, is why how is you it serve a, it. Why shrimp is it in shrimp. a cooler if it's served warm? Yeah. Because coolers so are insulated. They insulate cooler. things. Oh, they keep things hot yeah. and cold. How yeah. does it know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How does the cooler know which it's, one to do? Why do we park on a driveway? There's so many questions we oh, don't know the answer it's a Mexican to. Mexican cooler down there. It's down there. It's like boot and fanny a, and lift. I thought a Mexican cooler was a sex position. Yeah. It is a very thick drink, oh, which is man. weird. It has the quality of. Do you know how like the difference between if you make a milkshake in your blender at home or with a spoon and some milk at home in a in right. a cup versus go to versus Cantor's go or to something. McDonald's yeah. like not Cantor's not somewhere where they're going to scoop ice cream into a bowl. Are but, you talking about like the sort of like chalky? It, they add they're adding you know soy lecithin or something like <laughs> right, that. Right. So the thickness of the milkshake does not come from the fact that it is m- somewhat frozen. It comes from gummy stuff that they put in there. Mm-hmm. That is the kind of viscosity sold that we're talking oh, about. God, you have just convinced me that I, when you say, I'm going to love this. When you use so, words that are previously reserved for motor oil <laughs> to describe a beverage. Well, it protects against viscosity and thermal breakdown. Yeah. So. You had me at soy lectin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the viscosity is the weirdest part. But I will say... And like I, our our colleague uh, Jordan Cowling, our our production fellow, was sitting there. She had never ha- had it champurrado before, and she said, "What what is that?" And I said, <laughs> "Oh, it's a hot corn drink." And <laughs> and then Christian quickly said, "But it's much better than that sounds." And <laughs> even as someone who is ambivalent about champurrado, I do have to admit it is much better than hot corn drink mm-hmm. sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, well, that's. Good news. Pretty good. <laughs> what's the what's the translation? Do you know what the literal? Translation I don't know is? what the literal translation is at all. Yeah, I mean hot corn. Hot can't corn. Be it. That can't be it. I think it's. I think it's pureed grits. Is the <laughs> sweet a, grits. The romance languages have to come up with something better than that. Thing. You're from uh, Nick. You're from North Carolina. Is yes, that right? So yes. you're from North Carolina. What is the what is your preferred grits preparation? Are you a sweet grits man? I, I just butter. If, Just if, butter. If they're good, all you need is butter. You don't have to put sugar in everything. What about cheese, though? Yeah. Cheese makes everything better. Ah, take it or leave it. I like, I'm a grit purist. 
Wow. Butter. You have a really a clear vision for what grits can be. Doesn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much. Um, I, uh, it's funny that this question of uh, Mexican and Mexican-American street food came up because I was just— we're all experts on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. no <laughs> As because... non-Mexican Los Angelinos, you're wel- course, we, are the, you're we wel- are the demographic. You're welcome, Mexico. We'll take care of it from here. <laughs> uh, but I, my wife and I ha- recently had our 10th anniversary— and uh, my in-laws were nice enough to fly down from the Bay Area. Ooh. Maybe they drove down from the Bay Area, but they came down from the Bay Area to spend five days with our children so we could go on a trip together. Ooh. So my wife and I That's could go lovely. on a trip together, which was basically the single greatest thing any person has ever done for me in my entire life. Um, and uh, so my wife and I went to Mexico City. And I had never been to Mexico City. Have you? Mexico City. Nick, have you ever been to Mexico City? I have yet to visit District Federal. Uh, well, what what about, is that right? <laughs> have you have you seen the movie District Nine? <laughs> Twice. Okay. Uh, Liz, have you ever been to Mexico City? Just went there in January. For the oh yeah, it, isn't it fucking great? It's fantastic. <laughs> Holy shit! It's fantastic. <laughs> Not even like you know. I feel like I have had a lifetime of people telling me, sort of like if you've never been to New York, there's like this lifetime of people telling you about like. How like it's so busy and everybody's everybody's honking their horns and that kind of stuff. Like I didn't even really find that stuff to be the case. Like I found no downsides to Mexico City. I was like, this just fucking rules. It's great. Oh, uh, absolutely great. Did you do? Did you do any? Uh, did you do any cool like uh, only in Mexico City stuff? I did. What did you do? I I I went to the I went and saw the wrestlers. Yeah, fuck yeah. I went and saw the Chumperados. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. Have you ever been to a wrestling match before, Nick? I have of not any seen kind? a Mexican grit wrestling. A- have you ever seen an American match, no. wrestling match? Yes, any absolutely. wrestling. I match. mean, I'm a. I grew up. In the South, like in the golden age of that sort of regional, before it became WWE and like the big, they just would go up and down the East Coast. So you've been to see like, uh, you've been to see like, like regional, like what are we talking about? I are saw, we talking about like I saw high rowdy, school rowdy, gym? No, no, are no. we talking about small, Listen. are we talking about 5,000 seat? Greensboro Coliseum. Whoa. Uh-huh. Jesse. Uh-huh. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Okay. Chief Wahoo McDaniel, apologies to my native in-laws and family, uh, in an Indian strap match is what I saw. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Sounds racist. It was super <laughs> racist. Super racist. It was the 80s, so like kind of not the golden age of racism, but I would say like racism had like a renaissance. It had a rebirth. They refined it. They still had a sure. patina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was know. morning in America, there a was new a day for racism. Something from multiple generations, like the old school, the new school. They had sort of figured it out, polished it, you know. I, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I had never been to a wrestling match before. And Liz, I don't know if your lifestyle previously – look, you've, you've had a lot of lives in your long career as a journalist. I mean, uh, you uh, worked at the Coyote Ugly Bar, so – that's exactly the same thing as Mexican wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you haven't always been hanging out with Oprah all the time. <laughs> Oprah and the Dalai Lama or whatever. Um, yeah, I've seen some stuff. I've seen some stuff, but I've never seen anything quite like that. Yeah, man, it was... Wow. I had... Uh, so what happened is, 
like three weeks before we left for Mexico City, I got an email from a friend of Jordan Jesse Go, Colt Cabana, who's a professional wrestler. You're just making names up now. No, he's a traveling professional wrestler. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a wonderful dude. And he emailed, as he does once in a while, if he's going to be in town uh, because he lives in Chicago. We'd love to have him on Jordan Jesse Go. We say, if you're going to be in L.A., drop us a line. And I said, oh, shoot, I can't record when you're here because I'm actually going to be in Mexico City. And he said, you should go to the Lucha Libre. And I said, I was kind of thinking that I should go to the Lucha Libre. And he said, okay, have you bought tickets yet? I was like, nope. He's like, don't worry. I'll hook you up. What? And I'm like, fuck yeah. Colt Cabana is going to hook me up. I have a friend who's a professional wrestler. Nice. <laughs> Which is like the most exciting type of friend to get the hookup from. What did the hookup look like? Like what did that entail? It was a man named El Guerrero Maya Jr. <laughs> So Saul was like, Saul was like, do you have Facebook Messenger? Because uh, my friend El Guerrero Maya Jr. Uh, is in the Mexican is in the Mexico City Wrestling League, uh, but he doesn't really he doesn't really email and he doesn't really text message. And I was like, I don't. I could Twitter DM. He's like, great, Twitter DM him. Uh, do it in Spanish because he doesn't really speak English. He's a great guy. He'll hook you up. I already talked to him, so I'm like, great. So I I'm start this long uh, Twitter DM conversation with El Guerrero Maya Jr. Uh, who, as his name suggests, I think is part of a long lineage of Guerreros Maya. Um, I don't <laughs> know if there two. I don't know if there are Guerreros Azteca or Mexica, or if there are other types of Guerreros. Um, but I, uh, in in the end, he was like, "Where are you staying?" We're like, "We're staying in this neighborhood called Roma Norte. It's it's near the it's near the arena." He said, "Look, I uh, you're not getting in until Thursday. I can't drop the tickets off on Thursday, but I'll drop them off at your hotel on Wednesday, so they'll be there for you." I'm like, this is the kindest thing anyone who doesn't know me has ever done for me in my life. And apparently I was cashing in uh, friendship points from our friend Colt Cabana, who's such a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And so I got we got to our hotel and it was like it's a it was like a, like a kind of Hacienda style hotel, very small, six rooms or something like that. And one person who worked there at all times. And she welcomed us there and um she said, oh, you know, welcome to Mexico City. You know, if you need anything, let me know. Blah, blah, blah. This is how you get coffee, whatever. And she says, oh. She goes, oh, and someone left tickets for you. And she, she, gave, she gave us the tickets. And she said, uh, he said his name was El Guerrero Maya. But he was a normal man. <laughs> Which was the best thing anyone could ever sentence. say. <laughs> that is a great sentence. <laughs> was she? I want to know what she would have expected him to look yeah. like. Well, I mean, I feel like the like a, a professional wrestler is such a superhero cartoon character. Like the idea that they could be normal people walking through normal life, and especially because a lot of a lot of Mexican wrestlers, a lot of luchadores are not like most like a lot of WWE wrestlers are, you know, former professional football players right. who finished playing football and then went on steroids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're like monster oak tree people. Uh, a lot of the Mexican wrestlers are look like athletic men. Yeah, you're right, right. But they don't look like they don't look like one insane, of the guys that I saw was like people. legit 
fat. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, there's a long, rich tradition of fat guys in pro wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, true. Just, just like not any special yeah. kind of like comic fatty. They're just no. a fat guy, just like a fat middle-aged guy. Yeah, well, totally. John Cena John Cena came in the, the booth where BoJack is to record something else. Like people come in to record other stuff. And you work on the program BoJack Horseman. BoJack Horseman show. Um, he was recording something else and you were just like, oh, he's not a massive human being. Like he's muscular. He's not. He's muscular, and he's I'm sure a he's a normal man. He's not a normal <laughs> man. He's muscular, and I'm sure he's like leaned down since his you know WWE days. But he's still like an action movie star or whatever. And when those guys are shooting something, they like start lifting harder and bulk up or whatever. But yeah, he's not a behemoth. He's You're like, oh, this guy is five eleven. This guy is. I'm five eleven. I'm five eleven. He was like five eight. You know, like he wasn't massive. No, he's not a massive dude. Like he's wide. Like his shoulders you've are broad. Bro- you've, and you've broken something in me by telling me that. But it's like you know, like he's <laughs> not you know. But you can oil up and bulk up, and then it's incredible what those guys do to their body. Like it's astonishing. It's, you're just punishing your body in a way that, like, yeah. I think only football players, maybe more, just damage to your bones and cartilage than pro wrestlers, maybe boxers. Oh well, bones and cartilage, because boxers it's are whole, just taking headshots. Yeah, it's That's the whole the, body. Like, yeah, I mean, but I. So anyway, the, he gave us tickets that were right on. It, it takes place in this place called Arena Mexico, which is uh, built in the 30s. And it has the same qualities as in – I don't know much about the Greensboro Coliseum. <laughs> but I know that in San Francisco, they're, you know, they, they're just building an arena for the Warriors in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But previously, there was no arena of that scale in San Francisco. The only arena in San Francisco was this place called the Cow Palace, mm-hmm. which was built in like the 40s to house rodeos and is basically in Daly City, the city south of uh, San Francisco. And – when the new arena in San Francisco, I believe, is being built entirely out of homeless people. Yes, that's, that's true. Um, on the literal backs of homeless people. Yeah. I, I, it's quite a disruptive solution <laughs> to the problem, in my opinion. So the Cow Palace, like, you would go there for, uh, like, they would have a, a Harlem Globetrotters game there, a minor league hockey game there. Uh, rodeo there, would things they have, like, like that. Ice capades there, or could they not? Ice capades would like, absolutely yeah. be yeah. there, one hundred percent. The circus mm-hmm. would come there sometimes, and it's the kind of place where, while the Harlem Globetrotters are playing, there is water dripping from the ceiling onto the <laughs> basketball court. Like that is exactly. Watch what, out, generals! <laughs> that's what the Arena Mexico is like. Like uh, I, I presume that's probably where that's you exactly went to, where right? It was, yeah, yeah. Like you're like it is. It is. Uh, it's just on a street in a regular yep. neighborhood. It is not. You know, it's not surrounded by parking or anything. It's moldy cement. Moldy cement, and there's just a crush to get in. Yeah, and the crowd is just. Like, I don't think you could take a more representative sample of a place than the crowd in there. Like, there's people, there's, like, old ladies, lots of children of all ages. All ages. Like, there's four-year-olds and three-year-olds there. There's babes in arms at midnight being held up by their parents screaming in joy. A number of wrestlers (laughs) kissing babies. Um, uh, There's, uh, you know, there's people, like, dressed up like they're going to a country club. 
Right, um, like formal wear? Yeah, like I'm talking about like like polo shirt formal wear, like okay. maybe long sleeve polo shirt formal wear, wear though. Uh, you know, like boat shoe kind of shit. Okay. Uh, there's like all all every type of, and then there's you know there's a fair smattering of you know uh, seventeen to twenty six year old dudes who are pretty wasted. Right. Um, but that is a smaller group even than at like uh, if you went to a baseball game mm. in the United States or something. Like they they are definitely the top category, but yeah. oh, but uh, they are uh, certainly a plurality and not a majority. Middle aged women going out with their friends. Yeah. Like, totally. Like, as if night. they're at a book club, but instead they're going to the wrestling match. Yeah. yeah. Like, at, tr- you describe it perfectly. And it was you. cool as awesome. shit. It was so fun. Uh, like, first of all, there's almost no talking, so it really doesn't matter if you if your Spanish is not strong. Yeah, it's a wrestling match. <laughs> like, but I mean, like, it, I feel like I've only seen as someone who's only seen wrestling on TV. And uh, Daniel Radford, the host of Tights and Fights, our wrestling show here at Max Daniel Fun. Radcliffe? Daniel, that? Yeah, Daniel. That's amazing. Yes, Daniel How'd you get Radcliffe. Him? Um, <laughs> he's actually not working that much lately. He reached out to Jesse. Yeah. He's like, I'm tired of doing regional he's theater. Like, I and... miss the Tights and the Fights. Yeah. Hi, it's Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> yeah, right. Delete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> show me your penis and then I'll believe you. <laughs> I saw it in that penis play you were in. <laughs> Um, so that's all I know about Daniel Radcliffe. (laughs) We've gotten to the bottom of my knowledge of Daniel Radcliffe. I know he was Harry Potter, and I know that he showed his penis in a penis play. (laughs) Um, I wish him all the best of luck, as I do all of the Harry Potters. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) uh, And their penises. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was, uh, it was, it was just like, it, it was like a vibrant scene. So much. So vibrant. And, um... All kinds of wrestling matches, I would say. Like there was a an Australian dude there uh, who was one of the wrestlers. Um, but when you say all kinds, when you say all kinds of matches, like I'm tag talking team, about, there was battle well, royal. Everything had multiple people. There was no one on ones. There, not not even the finale. I don't think the finale. No, the oh, finale was I, a three my, my on three. My finale was an amazing one on one. Oh wow! Yeah, I wish I had incredible. seen that. Incredible. There was a ladies. There was three ladies against three other ladies. Three on three. The hero's hook was that she was Venezuelan. Which I don't know what that means in Mexico City, but people loved her. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a woman who was called uh, El. Uh, La Terror China, uh, the Chinese terror, uh, who was a very small Asian woman. That was the most racist thing that happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, wait, pro- wrestling and racism are just. Mm. Yeah, just best they, friends. They, they're best friends. They can't, uh, they can't quit each other. She could do a lot of cool jumps, uh, a lot of cool jumping around. Uh-huh. Uh, but my favorite of the ladies was just one lady who I would characterize as stout, not. Uh, not uh, just just solidly a, just a solidly built yeah. young lady who was maybe like twenty eight, you know what I mean? And maybe if she was a young cheerleader, she would be a base. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and remember, when it comes to cheerleading, without a base, without a trace. So uh, she she was great because she did cool wrestling stuff, but also she had braces. And I just thought, oh, that's dear. Isn't that a sweet thing for a professional wrestler to have? <laughs> <laughs> to be dangerous. A, I, I know. Thinking, did she have a mouth guard? Or yeah. No. Ask her was, orthodontist. Yeah, I'm hoping that yeah. she's wearing a mouth guard. It was very dicey. There was a set of I'm going to say six or eight dancers who brought everyone on stage as they came down the shoot Those with their super video hot intros. dancers. And thank you for saying that, Liz, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be misogynist. No, they were 
super hot. But like one of the things that one of the things that I always find myself thinking is like uh, there is this hypersexuality to sports dancing, uh, cheerleading, and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. right? But also including things that are like more dancey, like. NBA cheerleaders are more like dance teams. Yeah, they're like real dancers. Like, um, I mean, they're all real dancers. No, I think pretty much. Uh, These ladies were. Gotta not. watch making the making the team. Okay. <laughs> About the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. If you need anything misogynist said, just tell me and I'll say it for okay. you. So that you'll be thank okay. you, yeah. thank you, ladies. Um, <laughs> These bitches came out. <laughs> These but, hot bitches. These hot bitches. <laughs> but there is something. There is something weird when you see cheerleaders, and I had just gone to a ball game the night before that had cheerleaders because they are they're like athletes but dressed up in this crazy like hyper sexy painted woman way and when you're looking at them you're like i know this is a sex thing sure but this is a very normal looking person other than being athletic and it's it's also super wholesome but it's also a sex thing at the same time yeah like if you took a volleyball team and just uh like it took them to benefit and had them just like give them the prostitute makeup right right and cut cut their shirts off cut their skirts off at three inches everybody's got the same hair they all have to have that Hair that yeah, bounces like, around, yeah, like but these, TV these anchor girls, hair. These yeah. girls were straight strippers. <laughs> so the crazy thing about the the girls, the dancing yeah. girls at the thing were they were a and we were right on the shoot, so I was oh, eight right. feet from them. I was like, wow, all of these women are legitimately super beautiful, <laughs> and also their dancing could not have been more indifferent. Like basically, yeah. like it, it, even to say that it was like um, the Vandellas from Martha and the Vandellas right. when they're not yeah. singing. They were not even, even like... that overstates the amount of dancing they were. Like it was basically like doing the locomotion very gently. <laughs> so they were ring girls, like you, you know, boxing. Like they have ring girls. They come out. Like they don't. They just walk around in a bikini to be hot. Like yeah, but there like... was a gang of them right, and they were doing dance them. moves yeah. they were doing dance moves so that that was pretty fun but i don't know who was the who was the best wrestler that you saw liz i do not remember the names of any of them but i remembered this experience which was that i was watching it previous to the finale mm-hmm. i felt like i was watching it anthropologically or journalistically right you know where i was like oh i'm here seeing something that's very foreign to me i feel really, very lucky to be here this is all really interesting you had your skinny notebook yeah. you were <laughs> exactly yeah. i know how um, you roll and, and look at it i'm curious writing about a profile for esquire inside yeah, your I, head i was definitely at that at that and i was like this, this is interesting this is cool like i I blah, 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 having all those sort of observational thoughts, and then the f- finale came, and it was definitely an evil guy against a good guy. It was a pretty a pretty boy against a, a bad man, mm-hmm. um, face versus heel. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I think thank you for the for the terminology. And by the way, Liz, uh, you're the baby face, and Nick, you're the heel. <laughs> Until we switch, yeah. and that's going to fuck with people Turn. a lot. I'm the um, announcer at best. <laughs> but these guys were so fucking incredible that then I was in it, like, in it absolutely submerged in my excitement and the thrill of it and the amazement of it. And I couldn't stop screaming and people were running up and down the aisles and I was too. So I think I can't tell you exactly what happened other than that it was one of the most spectacular pieces of entertainment I've ever seen in my entire life. Was there a very small dude in an electric blue gorilla suit at yours? Nope. 
Okay, mine think, definitely had like I that. I would remember that unless I'm like that Malcolm Gladwell test where you can't see the gorilla, <laughs> where like a gorilla walks by and you can't notice it. But um, no, I didn't. I didn't notice that. But My, um, mine I, definitely had a tiny. And Colt had mentioned he's just like just so you know. There's a really little dude who wears an electric blue gorilla suit. He's a good wrestler, just so you know. I, didn't I was like, see okay. That, he didn't the, wrestle in mine. But the bad man won, and the good man was taken off stage in an ambulance right, and in right. a stretcher. Yes. And it was, it was just fantastic. I loved there was a ringside doctor at mine <laughs> who had, he was wearing a white coat. He was like 50-ish. His hair was kind of dry, slicked back. And he had like square reading glasses on the tip of his nose. And he looked like, he looked like, God, I wish I knew the actor's name. But there's a, a wonderful actor who just plays everyone's doctor or lawyer in every movie. And he always seems, he's uh, is kind of his general physical uh, quality. And, and like this doctor was so perfect at doing that. And I and I found myself wondering, do they find a real? Because they have to have a. I, I imagine they have to have a real doctor there. So like, do they find a real doctor <laughs> who's also good at being a fake doctor? Or, there, or are there do two they, are there guys. two? Is yeah. there a real doctor and imaginary doctor? Because if your fake doctor gets hurt doing one of these bullshit wrestling things, exactly. Right. What are you, you need a do? real doctor. Yeah, he's in the back. And one of those guys in boat shoes with the long sleeve polo is probably the doctor. Jesse, I see you're holding a poster and it says Rush and that was the name of... Rush. Rush. That guy was... I saw That, that was guy. the bad guy. That, yeah. Okay, he was incredible. Wasn't he amazing? He was a truly spectacular performer. So I, that, he was the headliner. So yeah. I want to talk about a couple of performers I saw. Uh, one of them was a guy named Mecha Wolf 450. <laughs> And Mecha Wolf 450 was like a steampunk uh, robot wolf man uh, who also had a beautiful, spectacular – a lot of these wrestlers had gorgeous heads of hair. Uh, But like he had the whole suit with a cape and a cowl that was in the shape of a wolf's head. But a robot wolf with like uh, gears and and, uh, controllers on the side. He was like a found object robot wolf. No, like a fucking sleek okay, ass okay. robot I, wolf. You said steampunk. I know, I know, I know. I I, I wanted to suggest the like qualities of machinery, okay, but it was right. a little more high tech than Got steampunk. It. Okay. it was it was not monocally. Uh, <laughs> there was uh, the the headline fight was Rush was the bad guy with Terrible and Bestia del Ring, uh, the Beast of the Ring. Nick is the literal mm. translation I for think you. I can follow that one. That was my stripper name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it featured a group. It was three on three. So it was three good guys against three bad guys. And that was really fun. And it had a lot of cool flips and stuff. The good, the good guys often do a lot of flips. Mm-hmm. That was my experience. Um, and there was one guy who was just de- 100% fake Spider-Man. Just had on basically a Spider-Man suit. <laughs> but they can't contractually. No. They did, did they go with, he like... Does bir- uh, he does birthday parties when he's not yeah. wrestling. <laughs> they didn't go with, like, El Arachno or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. It was clearly... <laughs> it was clearly that, like, this guy's grandpa saw the Spider-Man cartoon TV show. You in, know, Spider-Man does whatever a spider yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, And, uh, like, drew it on a napkin in 1962, <laughs> uh, gave it to his aunt. She made a suit for so, him. Yeah, and right. that has been yeah. the, handed down through generations ever since. But the, one of the coolest fights that I saw was between uh, – Two families. It was like a family grudge match. Oh, that's so good. And it was very clear that these were guys that had very deep roots. 
uh, because everyone in the arena had a very strong and emotional feelings about Everybody's them. Everybody's picked sides already. Mm. Uh, the good guys were called the Guerrero family. Uh, the dad was called Ultimo Guerrero. <laughs> and then there was another one Proximo. called Gran, <laughs> Gran Guerrero. Yeah, they, they basically... Um, and they all came in wearing like uh, Aztec or or Mexica style giant headdresses and like battle gear, Whoa. and they looked incredible. They were very stout men. Again, uh, not these guys were not exactly o- o- obese. Um, Just kind of like maybe full time. Working in the garage, part time doing the wrestling. yes, just very stout guys, just as just blocky men, <laughs> block shaped like men. Ten push ups before you go out. Yeah, and Ultimo <laughs> Ultimo Guerrero, who was probably fifty fifty five years old, had was the most radiant good guy I have ever seen in anything. It was like one of those things where like. You know how you can't root against Will Ferrell in a movie? You know, like he could do any dumb thing right, and you're right. like, oh, that's sweetheart Will Ferrell. Like it was that without the dumbness. He just was – I was like, I'm ready to root for this – vote for this man for president nice or whatever. Guy. Like just he a just, good guy. Just totally a good guy. But the bad guy and his family were my favorites. Uh, the, the main bad guy had his two sons. The main bad guy was named Mascara 2000. Or I guess Mascara Dos Mil. And he came in in old-timey wrestling clothes, Mm -hmm. like a singlet or whatever it's called, like a one-strap. Yeah, yeah. And with like an Andre the Giant, exactly like Andre the Giant, but with with half legs, like I would bike say. short okay. kind of thing, like bike short, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he is maybe so, oh Danielle looked him up. I think he was sixty or sixty-five somewhere in there, but but a kind of like he was legitimately overweight. Um, he looked like a sixty. He had the body of a sixty-year-old man. Um, and I don't like, I think it's normal for a 60 year old man to have this kind of body, but like, imagine if like the body of like a, like comedian Eddie Pepitone, (laughs) you know, I was just thinking of like a principal or the head of the school board. Yes. That kind of body. Exactly. (laughs) He definitely had the body of my principal, Mr. Rosenblatt, my high school principal. (laughs) Okay. Now we know where we stand. Joe Rosenblatt. (laughs) Hello, guys. Mr. Rosenblatt here. Um, We've had some fights. We don't want that. Um, Hats off in the hallway. Maybe leave them at home. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're we're very proud we've got some students going to the Summer School of the Arts. (laughs) Um, He was a really sweet man. R.I.P. Mr. Rosenblatt. Um, But Moscato 2000 had the look... Of like, like a Bruce Campbell or mm. a uh, Burt Reynolds, uh, like he was Mexican mm-hmm. and had brown hair that was clearly artificially browned in a and thin but not totally thin mm-hmm. but very voluminous. In Teased, a, probably some teasing, and some. some so one of the most magical parts of the thing was during the match, his sons would take care of his hair. Oh. <laughs> just with their hands, just oh, yeah. just fix his hair, his wrestling sons Wait, would. Wait, was that part of the show or was that just sweet son on dad tenderness? I yeah, was it, think it was Did they know both? they were doing 
it? Yeah. Were they performing doing it, or were they just doing it to tend it to? Was they? I think they knew they were doing it, but it was not that shticky. I would say That's it was sweet. performed <laughs> as a kind of weird, crazy tenderness. <laughs> the lines get blurry. He came in wearing the a, curtains open. The lines get blurry, man. A black vinyl, like elastic waist jacket uh, that had a horse head on the back, like a majestic horse head, um, and he had two slogans embroidered on his pant legs. Each of his pant legs had a slogan. One was. El Macho del Lago, which I thought was a pretty good slogan, you know, for mm-hmm. Mexico City. You know, the lake, uh, you know, he's the he's the king of the lake or whatever. He's the, he's the big guy of the lake. And the other one was Padre de Mas de Viente, which is to say father of more than 20, <laughs> which is the fucking best brag for a professional wrestling oh, heel I've ever heard so in my life. Good. Oh, my God. And he couldn't really do much. Uh, because he was a portly sixty-two-year-old, or and whatever, his, and his vital juices had all been taken away, yes. <laughs> bothering all those children. Did they, at a certain point, like peel off and like, okay, now my most athletic son will fight your most athletic son, <laughs> and we'll much. get out of here? But like, honestly, the sons were fifty. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right. the sons were playing at being thirty-five, but yeah, they were yeah, forty-seven. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they were definitely not. Like, I think we would have needed to have seen grandchildren if we wanted to see. Real athleticism. Here's a pitch. Yeah. Menudo rule. Mm-hmm. You hit 50, you got to get out. <laughs> New family member has to come in. <laughs> we got room for like a dad and a son at once. <laughs> like one guy can be in his 40s and one guy can be like in his teens or 20s. That guy, that dad hits 50. Out. Out. New kid. You got to cycle him through. I mean, here's the thing. Fresh blood. Like they used to do with stewardesses. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's only one category. Like there's a top top level, one slot at the top of the pyramid. It's like an Amway thing. So if you, there's three sons. They got to fight to the death no, to figure out gotta, who becomes a dad. It's like you got to you got to get writers. That's why WWE they have like people, you know, crafting these storylines. You got one dad, right? Then you have three sons. One is the everybody's all American. It looks like he's going to be the champion and take his father's footsteps. This guy is just a nerd. He doesn't. He's not really a wrestling star. And then oh my god, he comes. Who is this masked man? Oh, it turns out he's the son, and it's him the he, whole time. Like, he dropped out of law school. Yeah, he was a lawyer. He wasn't even wrestling, and now he's taking. And my sons are going to fight for the. Like, come on, man. One of the Guerreros was unmasked, which is a very big deal. That's very in shameful. Lucha Libre. And he ran out of the ring crying, covering his face with a towel. Yeah, that's what he should have. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that guy, (laughs) right, Liz? Pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. New permanent co-host, Nick Repeat Adams. Liz Gilbert, Beast of the Ring. (laughs) We live in turbulent times. Military buildups in the Middle East, trade battles across the Pacific, professional soccer struggling to maintain its foothold in the American market. Our nation and our world are, as the Temptations once sang, a ball of confusion. Through that murk and mire comes one man, Jesse Thorne. And one call for clarity, for purpose, 
a proud declaration. What is good and what is bad? This is Hang It Up, Keep It Up. We turn first to the darkness, malevolence, evil, disappointment, and heartbreak. Hang it up. Hills. Can one geographic feature be both too tall and not tall enough? It can. If it's hills. Hang it up, hills. Tiny juice cups. The restaurant industry won't admit it, but I'll shout it to the mountaintops. Tiny juice cups are just too small. And who suffers? Juice enthusiasts like you and I. Hang it up, tiny juice cups. Eggs? Let's face facts. These nasty orbs plop right out of a bird's cloaca. Brown, white, or speckled, it's simply gross. Hang it up, eggs. Palm trees? They claim to be trees, but what's the real truth? These green liars are actually sickeningly huge grasses. These flappy liars are bad news. Hang it up, palm trees. But for each yin, there is a yang. A silver lining to the cloud, a glint of dawn at the end of the night. Keep it up. Roofs. Without these pointy pals, we'd be as wet as the mighty Mississippi. Keep it up, Roofs. My dog, Sissy. She loves to cuddle me and bite my enemies right on the ankle. Chomp, chomp. Keep it up, Sissy. Lenses. These bendy friends help us see stuff and take attractive photographs. Without lenses, there'd be no Mr. Holland's Opus, and certainly no Krippendorf's Tribe. Keep it up, lenses. Fireplaces. Crackle, crackle, motherfuckers! Keep it up, fireplaces! That's Hang It Up, Keep It Up for 2019. And also, I guess, like 2014 yeah. through 2018 See, inclusive. See, in six years. When was the last time I did that bit? I think I might have been here the last time you did. There you are long-time listeners who are very confused yeah. right now. A, a nation turns its lonely eyes to you, Jesse Thorne. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan, Jesse, Go. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Nick, repeat Adams. Liz Gilbert, champion of the box. Padre de Masteriente. <laughs> Father of more than 20. <laughs> Liz Gilbert, we're about to do momentous occasions yes. on the program, but I want to take this opportunity to acknowledge a momentous occasion for you, the publication of your latest novel. Woo! It has just landed in my hands. It's called City of Girls. Yes, it is. And I'm very excited about it because I read all 7,000 pages of your last novel. You did. You read the whole signature of all things. And Not I, many people can say that. I loved it all. I have really got a kick out of it. I thought it was great. I know that I mostly talk about the various like 18th and 19th century words for pussy. That's right. Uh, that you have in there. I remember that you particularly liked change purse. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back. <laughs> you, know, you know Liz Gilbert's a real journalist? She went to a library at some point in the process of preparing to write <laughs> the signature of all things. She, 
she went to a library where the kind where you have to put on white gloves to handle the books. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask a stern woman to bring them to you. Yes, on a cart. And, and you said, do you have anything about quims? <laughs> <laughs> bring me everything that you have. If you're ever in a bind, certain like things, you don't have to research. You can just make them up. Nobody will know. <laughs> Twat waddle was one of the things that they called a woman's anatomy. But I don't, I don't know. Who's going to prove <laughs> yeah, it? Who's, who's going to sue me from 1790? Someone's got to do the research just to prove you wrong. That's I'm not right. doing that. Nope, nobody's going to do that. Uh, and I also, of course, loved your book, Big Magic, which is the uh, wins the award for most creatively inspirational book. Then in parentheses, not Linda Berry category. Oh, so thank I don't. Well, no, I, no, there is no Linda Berry category other than Linda Berry. So yes, I got you. Exactly. But, but I'm just happy to be spoken of in the same sentence, even if it's outside the parentheses. But a joy to read and a wonderful way to uh, get yourself out of the traps that you set yourself up for mm. when you are trying to make anything. That's pretty correct. much anything. Oh, thanks. What is a new What is the new book about? It is about New York City showgirls in the 1940s. Oh, yeah. It's now a no- we're talking. <laughs> it's a novel about. Um, young women in the 1940s behaving very sexually recklessly. Um, and and it's written like a fake memoir from the point of view of a woman in her 90s reflecting upon that time in her life. Why are you? Why did you write a book about that? I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't sound great. Right. It fucking sounds like a great thing to write a book about. Because it, that. Not the first topic that would come to my mind. <laughs> um, well, for a long time, I've wanted to write a book about promiscuous women whose lives are not ruined by their choices because that's a very hard book to find. Um, there, right. So it's not as though these women have no consequences. These girls create terrible consequences that they have to live with. But I think that a story that I never see is the story of women surviving their own consequences. Um, Women making really bad, reckless decisions. Maybe some really bad things happen to them. And guess what? They actually can totally survive it Um, and maybe even look back on it with a certain rueful fondness. Um, And so I wanted to tell that story because I feel like that's a story I've never read. Do you aspire to be a 90-year-old looking back on things as a, in, with rueful fondness? Um, if, the only thing that would stop me from being that is if I didn't live to 90. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think your time at that Coyote Ugly bar probably took five years off. Right? That was before the no smoking ban in bars. <laughs> and uh, yes, Ugh. I will probably have to have a lung removed at some point because of those those years. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was it was really really fun, and I'm also always been really interested in New York City in the 1940s. I think it's such a great, glamorous, exciting moment, and I um, I will tell you a story that as part of the research for this book, I I met. I mean, it's not easy anymore to find surviving showgirls from that era, but I met one, and her name was Norma Amigo, and she lived in New York, and she was first of all, fuck yeah, and. And that was her actual fucking name. It wasn't even her stage name. And she'd come from Chicago to New York when she was 19 because she got picked up in a bar by a guy who said, come to New York and I'll make you into a showgirl. And he did. And she was completely promiscuous her entire life. She was John Wayne's girlfriend for a while. She was Milton Berle's girlfriend. She never got married. She never had kids. She had five abortions. She still lives in the same apartment that she moved to in 1950. She's still one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen, like absolutely stunning six-foot-tall, blonde, 95-year-old, really funny, really sweet, really innocent in a way. Anyway, 
she said one of the best lines ever because I wasn't sure if I could get away with making these girls as promiscuous as they were. I was like, did that exist back then? Were people really, you know, and um, and then I talked to her and I was like, oh, yeah, that totally existed back then. And I can't get her to stop talking about it, which was great. And um, <laughs> and I said to her at one point, um, I said, so, Norma, you never, you know, you never regretted Never, never wanted to get married. Never wanted to have a partner. You never regretted that. And she goes, "Oh God, who wants to fuck the same man for sixty years?" <laughs> Which just was like total permission for me to write this book. It was amazing to hear her say that. Um, so, does the yeah. book have anything about Milton Berle's dong? In it? No, although okay. I did ask her about it. Got to check in. You got to well, check in. Well, I'm a journalist, and we hear things. And um, and there she, is famously for for anyone who's yeah. never heard the famous apocryphal show, potentially apocryphal show business story about uh, Milton Berle. Uh, the story is he famously had a giant dong. And uh, once a younger comic said to him, I hear you've got a big dick. And he said, well, you know, that's what they say. And the younger comic said, I bet mine's bigger. bigger. And, the, and Milton Berle says, look, I don't want to get into a contest. And the younger comic says, uh, yeah, but I do. And then uh, Milton Berle says, OK, fine, but I'm only taking out enough to win. <laughs> oh, what a great line. Um, I asked her about that rumor. Mm-hmm. And not only had she never heard that rumor, hmm. she was like, well, I don't remember it being anything particularly special. Wow. How about that? Shattered. See, this Shattered. is called fucking public service. How about that? This isn't just about artistic indulgence. Liz Gilbert is doing the work. I'm still an active journalist in the important matters of such things as whether or not Millenberg had a big dog. those skinny notebooks. Is that Not to get all curved, though. Did you, did you just call his dong a skinny notebook? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've established that this woman did not have a run-of-the-mill vagina, though. In, in no. This, this woman might likely had to an her, extraordinary it, yeah. vagina. We don't know. Um, we don't know. Did you but, ask her whether her vagina was extraordinary at all? You know, I, I, I did <laughs> I mean, by extraordinary, I mean, like, accomplished. Yeah. But Can I tell you something <laughs> else she said that was amazing? She said... We all, and she was very nonchalant about her abortions, like, no problem. She said, we always used to get our abortions in Catholic cities because they, they were so much better at them there because they do so many of them. Hmm. Oh, so boy. she said we would uh, – us girls, we would always go to Boston for abortions because they get – you know, the, such a Catholic city, they had so many because in New York, birth control was available. So I guess they didn't do as many. Isn't that a weird, yeah, wild fact? Crazy. Yeah. And she said, and if your boyfriend had enough money, you'd go to Mexico City. This is called a callback. Call back. Um, you go to Mexico Wayne. City, and then you go. John to, Wayne fly you out to Mexico City, and then you go go to Cancun and and recover and have a nice vacation and come back with a tan. Sounds nice, right? They knew how to do nice abortions so much better back then. Sounds better than usual. <laughs> so wild. Anyway, um, the book is a romp. That is how I would define it. it is, I found your previous book. Which was about a, an old-timey botanist to be a romp. Well, good. I like so, to romp. If you can romp through botany, then this uh, one is a legit then showgirl romp. should be, I, I think, is going to be a very exciting subject. I'm, I am super stoked to read it, and I'm very grateful that you uh, made, made time out from your busy uh, Los Angeles lifestyle. Uh, this to... is the one thing I want to do. <laughs> Come to the box. <laughs> Ladies, open up your coin purses and purchase the new book. They <laughs> do, do it. Uh, thanks, Jesse. <laughs> okay, so I have brought a momentous occasion here, but why don't we take one momentous occasion call first, and then we will have our live on-air momentous <laughs> occasion. Brian, play the tape. 
Hello, Jordan, Jesse, and guests. Uh, I'm going to guess Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, so get him I come on fucking am bullseye. an ATM <laughs> repair person, and I just got done repairing an ATM, and someone came up to uh, use it, and they said, well, I've never used one of these before. I was working on a fairly new model, and I was explaining to him it's just like the old ones, and he told me, no, I've never used an ATM ever. Wow. So that was fun, having to walk him through how to use an ATM. He definitely hadn't used one before because he was trying to pull cash out from his credit card. So, yeah, you guys have a good day. Bye. I, I love the idea. We have this longtime listener named Ronnie who lives in Houston. Very nice dude. He's been here. In fact, I think he's been on the air here. I think when he came and visited, we invited him to do momentous occasions with us. Very long-time listener. And Ronnie is a very capable man. He's going to be at MaxFunCon this year teaching how to use your hand tools. No. Um, but he's just he's – a, he's a man who radiates competence. And his old job was he worked at a hospital and he just fixed whatever broke there. And I'm not talking about like – a plant like he did. I'm not talking about he he fixed pipes or something. I'm talking about they got ten thousand different kinds of things that go beep in a hospital, right? Right. And you can't just like send them to the hospital repair guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's not a business. But Ronnie was that guy, so he would just wander around the hospital, and when something was broken, a nurse would tell him, and he would fix it. That is the kind of competence I think it probably takes to be an ATM repair person. How much of Ronnie's job was turning stuff off and turning it back on? I mean, Honest 70%. Question. 70%. Probably. It's got to be 70 But the problem is, a lot of people died that way. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, know, you want to be careful about that. Yeah, you got to be able to point the finger at somebody. That's yeah. where Ronnie comes in. Yeah. You got to know how guy. long the reboot time yeah. is on the dialysis yeah. machine. 30 seconds, Max. Um, but yeah, like, I love the idea of. I love the idea of people who have specialized competencies and travel the world plying their trade. Well, uh, what I loved about that call is what I was picturing when he said the guy was trying to pull cash out of his credit card. I was literally picturing a guy holding his credit card up and trying to magically make cash come out of it. And I was like, man, that guy really doesn't know how to use anything. There is an ATM at the Magic Castle. (laughs) That's also not a function of this guy not knowing how to use an ATM. That's a function of him not understanding interest rates and how much that's going to bite him in the ass in a month. Like, that's he's got some high-level stuff to work out before he gets there. He's way... He's light years before he understands that. (laughs) He just used an ATM for the first time. (laughs) I think we are all old enough to remember that moment when ATMs started to exist, right? Like, I don't think I had a bank account at the time. Uh, No. I was probably seven or something like that. So it was going to the bank with my mom. But I remember when the bank machine got invented, what an – like, because my dad – until I was 12 or 14, would go to the grocery store to cash a check at the customer service counter. Did you have the pneumatic tubes at the bank? Oh, no. God, God I, I love pneumatic tubes. Oh, that was tubes. the best. You, would, you could pull up. There was a drive-thru. Yeah. And then they had a- Suck it right in. They had a microphone, and you would say, oh, I'm depositing a check. I want to get money out of whatever. And you would fill out the form and put it in the tube, and it would shoot over there. And I was like, this is the best. And then they would shoot whatever back, and they would put a lollipop in. If there was a kit in the car, and shoot a lollipop in. I was like, what the- we got to bring that back. 
I was we've the, got to bring that back. I was in the East, living in the East Village in the '90s, and I and I remember the first time uh, that there was an ATM east of Avenue A, um, <laughs> and and I was actually walking down the street one day. Um, oh, and it would have been daylight because I wouldn't have been doing it if it wasn't. I and it, I think it was on Avenue B, and they were they were installing this ATM, and there was a cop, a New York City cop, standing there watching them do it, and he said to his buddy. I wouldn't take money out of that machine on this street in broad daylight in my uniform. <laughs> I just picture uh, I just picture Down Abbey, like you know the reaction whenever they show some new technological advance, and she sees like lights for the first time or like hears like a record. I picture that cop reacting like that. Like, oh, what? what is this new <laughs> automatic teller machine? I feel like New York City and Manhattan particularly is the world's capital of that type of ATM machine that is in what what we Californians would call a corner store that you would call a bodega uh-huh. uh, where you get you, – you're like you need cash for whatever like you – in my case, it would be I just got a haircut but then realized I didn't have any bills on me and have to pay in cash for my haircut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're like, hold on. Let me go to the ATM. I'll leave my, I'll leave my coat here or whatever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not running. Right. And you have my hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. You can, you can extract the DNA and create yeah, a real you dinosaur. You basically have my soul. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and you like get there and you put in your card and you type in the number and then it just says like, nope. FYI. <laughs> it says FYI, you can withdraw up to $40. <laughs> yeah, $40. I got to do it twice. And it will charge you... It will char- and and your your account you will be charged seven ninety nine in your first <laughs> yeah. your firstborn child, <laughs> like one pint of blood, and eleven dollars and twenty four cents will be charged to your account. One month after I got my medical marijuana prescription, my wife was like, "Hey, there's like an ATM charge from like uh like." Smoking out technologies for one hundred and eighty-five dollars is that? Oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> Did you withdraw money from buds and nugs? Is that like a thing? Yeah, that's me. Um, also, wait, ATM ATMs felt like when they first came out. Then you have like a new like Chase Manhattan Bank right in Midtown or whatever, and it's twenty-four hour access to our ATM, and you can use your card to open this door, and like that's where they're gonna kill me. Inside that little vestibule is where I'm going to get murdered and the guy's going to stab me. The Uh, ATM on a corner, it's outside. Like, I can run if I need to run. (laughs) Don't trap me in a little death vestibule (laughs) to take my money out. The bank airlock (laughs) that they have in New York. This is where there's inclement weather. Just keep it out in the open. You know, recently on on Judge John Hodgman, uh, the podcast I do with uh, Liz Gilbert's friend, John Hodgman, that's how he's usually defined, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the guy who wrote Liz Gilbert's Time 100 article, <laughs> as I found at my mother-in-law's house one time. <laughs> Did you? Really? Yeah, I was like, I guess like I texted, I texted Hodgman, I was like, are you friends with Liz Gilbert from Eat, Pray, Love? And he's like, yep. <laughs> um, so on a recent episode of Judge John Hodgman, I had a, a conflict with John, which is rare because John is the most considerate and humanist man on earth. He's a, the kindest, sweetest guy in the world. And I rarely disagree with any of his judgments. But there was this discussion about whether you should count your money at the ATM. And I said, I never count my money. I just shove it in my pocket and get out of there. And we couldn't figure out why he felt so strongly that you should count your money in case you were over, over, overpaid or underpaid. 
and I felt uh, that you should shove it in your pocket and get out of there. Until I realized, maybe five minutes into this weird argument, John was being uh, a New England thriftyman, which is to say he was being a, he was being very careful about his money and mm. being very careful about being honest in case he was overpaid. And I grew up in the hood, and you shove your money in your pocket, yeah, get the fuck good. out of there. <laughs> like, also, what Brewster's Million scenario is he imagining where he's going to get overpaid at the ATM? Like, what yeah. is that? Doesn't happen. Like, you people read one article about a guy who got seven hundred dollars at an ATM or something in there, and also when it comes out, like you're getting hundred dollars, you're getting two hundred dollars. You can hear the chunks. Each one of those is a 20. You hear those, boom, you got your money, you go. You, come on. Come here's, on some inv- here's some advice from Nick Adams for one John Hodgman. Yeah. That's Listen even his real for name. the chunks. Listen for the chunks. <laughs> the chunks. Count the chunks, baby. It's okay. also the title of my album. <laughs> Dropping in a month. Listen for the chunks. It's a uh, rueful memoir. Yeah. <laughs> when something... There's no music at all. <laughs> When something momentous happens to you, we ask you to call us. But uh, this week we have something momentous for our guests on the program. As the two of you may not know, my professional aspiration is to be a television greengrocer (laughs) (laughs) and on the local news. And so uh, I have... Maybe like every Friday morning. Yeah, exactly. So I have brought my current favorite fruit, the cherimoya or custard apple. No oh, shit, I'm out. <laughs> uh, for you to enjoy. I have already sliced it, but Nick, I'm, I'm handing you a slice. You can see from the skin that it is a grotesque-looking yeah, fruit. this is a hideous-looking fruit. I've never seen this in my life or heard of it. If you have, first of all, you had cherimoya right there, locked and loaded. Ooh. Sounds exotic. Custard apple <laughs> doesn't help anybody. Doesn't help custard people. <laughs> Doesn't help Apple people. <laughs> Leaves everyone disappointed. Everybody's bummed out. What do you have marked on your OK Cupid profile? Custard <laughs> yeah. person or Apple person? Yeah. Can I try it? Yeah, it looks like a weird dragon egg or something. And we are going to eat on Mike a little bit, Yum. but we're, we're going to do our best. And Brian is going to go through and manually reduce the mouth sounds. Wait, can we put lots of mouth sounds in? Misophonic. Well, B- Brian's just going to take them out. ASMR. It oh looks God. like a weird, gross dragon you know egg what? When, you, when you get it. People eating something and no one can see them eating it is great radio. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm a professional radio host. You guys, with. I wish you guys could see Nick eating this right now. It has, the skin is very uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Drogon, dragon eggy, mm-hmm. which is cool. I'm sure it's a cool looking fruit. The inside is uh, pale and fibrous, would you guys say? There's some black mm. seeds. There's um, giant black seeds, but mm. the texture... The color is pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just as I take a bite. It is, it it is, is. pussy. It is pussy, There's right? a reason it's mm. called the custard apple. Mm. The texture, it, yeah. the texture yeah. they is tried, custardy. They tried pussy apple and mm. it just didn't sell. Mm. <laughs> Jizz pineapple didn't stick. <laughs> the, folks, the folks at the Cherimoya board were pretty yeah, ambivalent yeah. about Jizz pineapple. And meanwhile, there's like Terrence is like, you guys, we got Cherimoya. I think we should just stick with Cherimoya and roll with that one. No, because people got it too confused with that drink I can't remember the name of that we started talking about. How would you uh, characterize the flavor? I love it. I don't hate it. I don't love it. There's... I think it would be good as like an essence 
like in a drink, like you know, like if like you a get, guava. Yeah, yeah. If you could just get the nectar of it out, it's much sweeter than a guava, though. Like mm-hmm. one of the problems with a guava is it has this amazing smell that you think is going to be so good, and then you taste it and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I gotta, got I gotta a, add a lot of sugar to yeah. that and put it in a pastry. Got a melony situation in it. A little melony, I like a, lot. a little pineapple-y. Um, a little a, bit. Of, I'm a fan. Like a little bit of vanilla in there too. Mm-hmm. I can't find the vanilla. Okay. I'm not good at describing things, though. That's why I'm a writer. We're talking about notes here. <laughs> I get that. Yum. I'm all for it. You got a giant cherimoya seed stuck to your hand, Liz. Yes, I do. Thank you. Classy celebrity, I had a Liz nickel Gilbert. for every time someone said that. <laughs> oh, Jesse Thorne tried to make a move on my cherimoya. <laughs> that's in the book. <laughs> kind of stuff that's in the book. What's the name of that, that uh, grits drink again, and why don't we have that? To Trump, ch- champurrado. To try. Yeah. Go get some of Christian's. Mm-hmm. Just knock him down and okay. chug a lug. Okay, we got one more call. Let's take a listen. Hey, Jordan, Jesse, and uh, one of the McElroys. This is uh, Alex calling Can from uh, for a second, Brian? Salt Lake City. I think, Liz, you're technically a McElroy. I'm, right? I'm a McElroy sister, yeah. So that's I'm, not wrong. No, not at all. That's I mean, why I didn't flinch. Once you've contributed farm wisdom, <laughs> I think that is what... You know, the McElroys will occasionally get an email that says, like, can I be part of your family? Yeah. Okay. And I think what they say back usually is, well, what's your farm wisdom? Farm right. wisdom. Yeah. I, I offered them some good farm wisdom. What was your farm wisdom? If if you have a goat and the goat eats poison ivy and you drink the goat's milk, you get poison ivy immunity. <laughs> yes. Which caused um, which caused Griffin to say, if you give your goat a passport, your passport, do you get diplomatic immunity? <laughs> if you drink it? <laughs> also, fuck Griffin is so funny. I know. When you're when you're when you're done, when you go to write a novel and you're like, I I'm tapped. I have nothing else to say. And you turn to children's books. Um, There's my book, right there. If you give a goat poison ivy, <laughs> definitely. I've read that. If you give a mouse a cookie book, a lot. It's annoying as hell. I would much rather read if about you a, give goat, a goat poison, poison ivy. ivy. Keep By the going. way, pre-order my wife Teresa Thorne's book, It Feels Good to Be Yourself, on Amazon.com and other booksellers right now. That is a beautiful book, and I read it, and I loved it. Oh, thank you, Liz. I'm yeah, glad that I you enjoyed it. I endorse it as well. Fantastic. Uh, and I learned stuff from it. Oh, yeah. We have a call. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> People listen to this show? <laughs> Had a momentous occasion, kind of a moment of shame. Um, I was uh, road raging in my car for quite a bit. And uh, this one guy got into my lane, and I was very angry at the speed he was going. So I just started yelling at him. Uh, when I finally got a chance to pass him, I did, but something very weird came out of my mouth in the blind rage. I screamed, you are a toy, like from <laughs> Toy Story. After that, I was too full of the giggles to be mad at anyone. And uh, I had quite a nice car ride afterwards. So uh, thanks for all you do. Bye-bye. We're all toys, guys. This guy doesn't sound like an old-school graffiti writer for whom that was a popular popular (laughs) insult. You are a toy. You are a toy. Yeah. A toy is like a graffiti writer who's not serious about it. Oh, is that it? Is that, that really a, what yeah. that's called? Yeah, in the in the olden times. I mean, it may still be true to some extent, but mm-hmm. definitely in the olden times. So, like a toy poodle is a poodle that's not serious about it. Yeah, I think okay. that's correct. I think that's how. I think that's how. Is that gra- where the graffiti thing? Graffiti came from? writers in the late seventies <laughs> and early eighties described toy poodles. Yeah, I think look, that's get true. serious. Either be a standard poodle or don't even try. <laughs> I love that this guy's momentous occasion was just like 
this fucking sucks. Driving sucks. <laughs> like, that's basically it. Like, every now and then, as an Angelino, you have a moment in your car where you yell at somebody or you're mad and you're like, oh, this doesn't matter. And you're just like, it's me. I'm the problem. This is, the, we're all, this, like, there's the movement for people to say, like, I got stuck in traffic and someone will say, no, you were traffic because, like, <laughs> oh, you were part of it, right? Oh, wow. But that's what that guy's moment was about. Like, this mm. all, it sucks. Driving sucks. The magical turning point to me of his declaration was if, first of all, well, for, before I get to the magical turning point, I sincerely imagined, and, and it was very vivid and real for me in a way that like, in that way that like when you're eight, the line between reality and your imagination is constantly blurring. I really believed it was real that he was about to say, and I got up to him and it was George Went. <laughs> and I don't know why <laughs> I thought that he, it would be George Went. I guess the same reason that he thought uh, Liz would be, you know, Travis McElroy. But well, I definitely imagine that it would be George Went. You guys, can I share something? About George Went? Yes. No, but for a uh, for real thing. Yeah. I for real think that jizz pineapple is giving me an allergic reaction. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Is that a, are there confirmed Jeremoya allergies? It's weird. I'm getting like a strange roof of my mouth. Do you have that problem with, some people have that problem with pineapple. I One have of my it, kids I have it with that. mango. Oh, wow. It must be in the mango family. What are you feeling on the roof of your mouth? You know what I need to do is feed that to my goat and then yeah. drink the milk and then I'll be yeah. immune to it. This you gotta, is, you, you yeah. also just should probably stick to the uh, the cold and dreary parts of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is why we didn't where, vaccinate, where guys. Where my people came from. Yeah. This is why we didn't vaccinate. I should just have lute, like lutefisk instead of these exotic fruits. Exactly. Get um, yourself to Finland or Copenhagen. Yeah. Maybe Edinburgh. Yeah. I'll have a Lindenberry and I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good Lindenberry. Anyway, I just wanted, I want to share that with you. Are you feeling that? Now, I don't know. Now I'm starting to feel a little paranoid. <laughs> I think I'm okay. You're getting a contact allergy? <laughs> I did allergically hotbox the studio, just so you know. But the magical turning point in the call is when he says... When he yells at the guy, you are a toy. And then I can only presume he's concerned the guy doesn't know what a toy is. He says, like in Toy Story. Oh, yeah, that's good. The part where Woody, (laughs) it's near the end. (laughs) And he's tied to the moving (laughs) truck. And he's, when they're trying to get back, and he's like, I'm going to fly. You can't fly, right? Doesn't he? It's like, I know most toys can't drive, obviously. That's not what I mean. I don't mean literally that you're an inanimate object. I mean, you're like, if if it had a soul, and they do have souls. They're beautiful movies. And then the guy yells back, you mean like the Robin Williams LL Cool J movie? No, that's toys. That's <laughs> That's toys. a different movie. It's a weird movie. The kids movie? It's not Wait, for kids like, at all. Like, it's like, not a kid's movie. Like, the, says, is, do you like mean- the Richard Pryor movie? No, that's the toy. <laughs> It's really offensive. Don't rewatch it now. It'll make you feel really bad for Richard Pryor that he had to go through that. Don't watch that either. Do you mean Bicentennial Man? <laughs> now you're just yelling Robin Williams, lesser known Robin Williams movies out, sir. And we're driving very fast through the freeway. This well, is becoming dangerous. What does this have to do with Crippendorf's tribe? <laughs> We all thought Jenna Elfman was a star, sir. Is that Jenna Elfman? <laughs> I think Jenna Elfman may have been in Crippendorf's <laughs> oh, if, I, if I got that right, that is a momentous occasion if I pull it out of my ass. <laughs> the, the proudest moment of my wife's 
college career. My wife attended the uh, great Northeastern Liberal Arts University, Sarah Lawrence College. And while she was there, she had a work-study job as one of, uh, one of the school's official poor persons. <laughs> and her job was in the fundraising department. She had to place calls. To That's work. ironic. Mm-hmm. Get to work, poors. <laughs> and she had the opportunity to leave multiple voicemail messages on the voicemail of David Duchovny and Jenna Elfman, <laughs> who used to be married. Did she, at a certain point, I would have just like gotten really casual. David, Jen, hey, how's it going? It's Reese. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> just call me back, you guys. What's up? It's Reese PC. <laughs> it's Reese PC. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna start calling her that. <laughs> It'll lead directly to a divorce. Yes, you can come crash on our couch when it doesn't work out. Thank you very much. <laughs> if something momentous happens to you, two zero six nine eight four four fun is our telephone number, or you can email a voice memo straight from your phone to jjgo at maximumfun dot org. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. <laughs> Hey, James. Hey, Nike. What we doing, girl? We are inviting the awesome listeners of Maximum Fun to join us at Minority Corner. Ooh, fun. But you know how we go on Tangent City. We're the joint mayors. We're not going to do that, okay? Soup's focus. Okay, so Minority Corner is where you can all come and get your pop culture taste. Plus, social commentary, news, and TV movie reactions like Avengers Endgame. No spoilers here. Ooh, snap. Sometimes we dig into the vaults and we review and recap those movies you missed. Gonna you, Halle Berry's kidnapped. I love how she always gets. 1,000%. Like Beyonce. Did you see Homecoming on Netflix? She was burning it down like the mother of dragons. Have you seen the latest Game of Thrones? So good. Only thing missing? More, More black, black people. people. What do you think about Mayor Pete? Wait a minute, James! We went on a tangent? Yes. Ah, well. Join us every Friday for more tangents. On Maximum Fun! La, 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 la. Unless you wish you could trade in your own family for the Pearsons, Inside Pop is definitely not for you. Sean, that's a little extreme and also not quite true. Okay, Amita, how about Inside Pop is the podcast for people who love and appreciate the best pop culture has to offer? Oh, much better. In every episode, we interview the people who create the culture you crave. Past interviews include the production designer for Fargo and Tony DeCray from the DreamWorks Story Department. You'll also get the very best pop culture recommendations in our Big Sell segment. Plus the opinions of two TV producers who are pop culture obsessives and actually do wish Sterling K. Brown was our cousin. Kissing Cousins, that is. Listen to Inside Pop every other Wednesday on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne. El Macho del Lago. Nick, repeat Adams. I'm Liz Daughter of 20 fathers, Gilbert. <laughs> Keeper <laughs> of the purse. <laughs> wow, they made a real bully base. <laughs> that is really we'll something. never know which one it really is. <laughs> Classic fish stew situation. <laughs> um, Nick Adams, you recently finished working on the television program Tuca and Birdie on the first season of Tuca and Birdie. That's right. I told you this via text message, but I'm going to say it for anybody who's at home listening for their benefit. This show is such a fucking joy. Thanks, man. 
It is really something special. It is a true expression of the actual genius of the actual genius Lisa Hannah Walt. It is uh, funny and moving. Uh, is about stuff. It's not like any other show I've ever seen, um, including BoJack Horseman, yeah, from which it is directly descended in yeah. some ways. Um, and uh, yeah, it is a fucking it is a fucking delight. Thanks, so, man. Congratulations, Frank. Yeah, it's on your Netflix boxes. If yeah. you're interested in animation or ladies or ladies being friends. Oh, yeah. Friendship. Like Friendship is very important. People laughing about things. If you like to laugh about things, it's a show you might be interested in. Sounds like in. something I would love. If you're just wondering what Stephen Young would be like if he was a bird. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to see animal and plant boobs. Yeah. There <laughs> yes, are I lot. said plant boobs. Yeah, That's all I'm going to say. There's a lot of plant boobs. All I'm going to say. <laughs> on this show. Do I? There's this <laughs> giant plant who lives upstairs, and she's like a really cool kind of like model type who's sort of uh, doesn't really talk to them. And it is the greatest thing. She mostly just sits on the fire escape smoking. And it is the greatest shit in the history of the world. My my episode, Jennifer Lewis does a voice in my episode, and it's the greatest thing uh, I've ever seen. She makes the word leggings like the funniest thing in the world. Can, like, you, can you do it. it? It's like I wrote leggings, and she puts like three extra syllables in it. Leggings. It's <laughs> amazing. It's so good. Uh, it is it is a wonderful television program. We're always grateful to have you, and thank you for thank you for filling in for Jordan uh, this week. And the reason, by the way, Jordan is working on the television show that he works on today. This is something that we scheduled ma- many months ago, but uh, Jordan unfortunately couldn't leave work without uh, getting fired. Yeah, big times you. He big times you real good. And you were kind enough to use your uh, free time to fill in for him. So I'm very grateful to you, Nick. Thank My you pleasure. very much. Oh, always fun. And, of course, there's no greater great than the great Elizabeth Gilbert. What? Literally no greater great? There's no greater great. Wow. I'm going to take that in. I don't, 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 don't double back. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, number one, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. Kind of in perpetuity. Uh, I, could, I could argue it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I mean, Kareem has also written books. He's That's a true. novelist. Can you That's slam true. dunk? That's so. That's true. Well, <laughs> do you think you would be willing to, as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did, uh, write your own Holmes and Watson novel? Oh my God! Did he really? Yeah. Yes. Oh no, he's the greatest. <laughs> yeah. And he wears sports goggles. Yeah. Uh, so what could be better? Uh, yeah, you're right. I feel like he doesn't wear sports goggles. He doesn't even at wear first glasses. I was, does at he? first, I was sad, but now I'm happy. Do you think Kareem got LASIK? <laughs> Maybe he just maybe he just calls them his cheaters. He just doesn't wear them that much. I think he's. I don't think he wears glasses. Anymore. He reads a book at arm's length. His arms just, would be long enough that he shouldn't have to. Have, yeah, that's a really that he shouldn't good have point. to have glasses. Whether near or farsighted, he yeah. should be able to read without glasses. <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, ladies and gentlemen, what a giant been to have the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the program. A giant Honor. retinas and corneas can't see everything. <laughs> you have giant retinas and corneas. Is that not how it works? Yeah, I think that is how it works. <laughs> Everyone needs to run out and buy Liz Gilbert's brand new novel, which is called City of Girls. It is out now. It is a beautiful book. It is a delightful book. And I think you should probably buy Liz Gilbert's other books as well because they also are great. I've read t- two of them. I haven't read all of them. <laughs> She's written like seven or eight. But what are we looking at? Eight, seven, nine, six, nine. nine. 
She's written nine books. So yeah. I've read the, the instrumental stuff. How many has Kareem? Yeah. yeah, you gotta like, yeah, you gotta like the unplugged stuff. That counts as a that yeah. counts as a separate album, a separate like novel. The there was like a was jazz fusion. Yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Liz, <laughs> the covers novel that you wrote. We gotta wrap this show up because Liz has to go have lunch with. Uh, I'm gonna say Brene <clears throat> Brown, uh, the founder of Zoroastrianism, and one of the ladies. From the Marvel movies, I was going to say Michelle Obama, but yeah, and no, the the Marvel woman with the <laughs> mantis is going to oh, be yeah. in there. I, mantis. I'm just having lunch with a model with plant boobs. Yeah, That's yeah. It. okay. Yeah. Good enough. <laughs> Our producer is Brian Sunny D Fernandez. You can find us uh, on Twitter with the hashtag JJGo. I'm at Jesse Thorne on Twitter. Uh, Nick is at Nick Adams Web. Uh, the name of his website from 15 years ago. <laughs> yes. Uh, Liz Gilbert is at Gilbert Liz because apparently she, her social media person couldn't pull enough it took strings. Me, it took me a long time to get on social media and it was all gone by then. Yeah. There's like a middle school teacher in Chicago who's like, nope, sorry. Sorry, lady. Should have been quicker. Yeah. <laughs> it's mine. Uh, you can also find us on Reddit at MaximumFun.Reddit.com and you can like Jordan Jesse Go on Facebook. We love you all very much. We'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jesse Go. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.